0: My dear mothers, it is a, a pleasure for me to to have you here and to be able to see you. You will notice that I'm standing you will notice that I'm standing outside of the pulpit and and without my surplice, and that is to make the talk more informal. If I was on the pulpit and with my surplice and and the stall, I would be you know required to make the, the talk much more serious. But being out here, I'm able to to ask you questions, to talk of in a, in a more informal way although we're still in front of the Blessed Sacrament, so we keep the the attention and reverence that is due to our Lord. I want to tell you that I struggled a lot, as usual, to come up with this, uh, with what I was going to say today. I was afraid we were going to get too many people, especially with the children. You know, We were afraid that we were not going to be able to handle all that energy. And I want to share with you, we had the same problem in the boys' camp. We only had, until recently, we only had 30 places in boys' camp. And Father Augustine and I were thinking, what should we do? How can we handle all the rest of the children that might want to come? And I said to him, we should have a game on the first day that is of elimination. Only those who win make it to the camp, and all the other ones go crying back to their home. But you know, they they thought that was too cruel. (laughs) So we ended up buying more places. Now we have 50 places. And today, uh, I wanted to speak something that would be inspiring to you, something that would, you know, get your spirits up. And this is a topic that is such, but it's not going to be about essentially motherhood, maybe, because I think it's it's a topic that is important, that is necessary, and that I haven't given to you because this was the first talk I ever prepared for the confraternities, the one that I gave in Oklahoma. And I think it's very important to have it because it's a talk about the confraternity itself. If you are familiar with how the confraternities run and how, what usually happens, uh, I'm sure that, that most churches, you know, they try their, our best, we try our best here, but sometimes it happens what my sister would describe as a penguin race. I hope I haven't told you this story, but she told me once, when you go to school, you do a penguin race. And I'm like, what, what's that? Well, you're running and running and running very hard, and then at the end, you see that you're not gonna make it and you just jump for it on your belly. And that's something like what happens in our confraternity, in our sometimes in our groups. We begin with a lot of zeal and we, we strive and we have these you know, meetings. And then after a while, it kind of the, the power drains off and a lot of the interest uh, goes away sometimes. And we just go on our belly, just uh, passing through. I don't say that this has happened here or in any church that I would think of. It's just human nature. That's what happens. Now, I think that it's important for us, and this is the first part of the talk. I want to speak about the possibilities of the confraternity because we are used to getting together you know, for the confraternity on Saturdays. We come to mass, we say our rosary, chat a little bit over coffee, say our, our special prayers, and that's it. And this group, as, as any other religious group in the church, has a lot of potential. But we have to know what, what it's meant for, what it's, what it's supposed to do. The, the first thing that we need to understand about the confraternity is this. It's supposed to create, as we see here, it's supposed to create a community. And I fear that maybe here in Denver, we don't know how valuable that is because we have it. You know, we have a religious community and it's very, very precious to us, but we are used to it. But when you hear people that come from afar, you know, we have some parishioners that are coming from France. And that's one of the things that they always mention to me is like, we have such a great community here and we don't have that back home. And I can tell you that from my parish when, when I was first in the first year in Oklahoma, same thing. It's uh, you go to mass, you hang out and then you walk back out and you live in a world entirely hostile to you. No one believes the same things you do, no one understands your priorities, and that's what's very important. We have it here, we can have it more, and we have to develop it more and more. Let me give you an example of what I mean. It is for you very important to have friends that you can have recourse to, that have your same priorities that understand your concerns. Because for example, if you're in the hospital, and let's say, and this is the case for some of you perhaps, if you're in the hospital and all your family is not Catholic, let's say that your family, they're all Protestants, and you you have a crisis and you start going down in your health, the last thing that's gonna come to their head is call a priest. But if you have a friend, a friend from the confraternity or a Catholic friend somehow, What's going to be their first thought? you got to call a priest. What if you're having, for example, a pregnancy and your pregnancy gets complicated? And again, your family is not Catholic or or your friends are not Catholic and they're never going to think we have to baptize this child. But if you have a friend that is Catholic, they're going to be on the ball. This kind of support is very important for us. And that's what you get with the Confraternity of Christian Mothers. I, I want to say here something that that relates to this. <laughs> in 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 the traditional, I don't want to call it the traditional movement, in the Catholic Church, in this crisis, and for us Catholics that are standing with the faith and the sacraments, we have uh, we have lived through years of defense. We're trying to defend ourselves. We're trying to get. The mass, we're trying to get the sacraments, we're trying to get what's essential, but we have grown accustomed to be isolated in that sense, and to say, okay, I have what's essential, I have what I need to save my soul, essentially, that's it, I, I, I don't need to do anything more. And that's something that we kind of have to push, you know, moms and dads and, and everyone in the church, we have to push them a little bit and say, no, uh, the isolationist is Uh, policy is good for a country, maybe, not for a Catholic. You cannot be isolated. You have to reach out. You have to have friends that are Catholic. You have to talk to other people in the parish. You have to have their phone numbers. You have to be there when they need your help. That is part of the potential of this confraternity. give you an example that you see here every day, perhaps. Uh, Someone needs to move. Well, what what can happen? I, well, I need to move. I don't have any friends that can help me out. Father sends an email. All the mothers, someone's going to move. Send your sons, you know, or your husbands, or whoever's you know strong. Uh, maybe it's me that is stronger. I don't know. But you you can help. Or someone had a funeral, as as it happens here, and I mentioned this because in other parishes that doesn't happen. So in some parishes it doesn't happen. When we have a funeral here. What happens? Father sends an email or, or Julie sends an email and all the Christian mothers are right there on the ball, ready to help. For you, you might not see how valuable that is. It's incredibly valuable for the priest because you cannot do things on your own. I tried. It's difficult. You cannot do things on your own. And when you have a group of mothers that are reliable, that are going to be sellers, that are going to be helping, it's such a good comfort and relief. Just for example, to give you, uh, we have had several funerals here, as you know. Some funerals, there was one Catholic person in the family. All the rest were pagan or Protestant. But what happens? The mothers come. The mothers cook the meals. The mothers even come to the Mass. And the priest, when he comes out to Mass, he's not in front of a crowd of pagans. With all due respect, I mean, people that are not Catholic. He's in front of a crowd of people that are Catholic, too, because the mothers are there. And there is a huge support. I hope I'm not tiring you, but let me give you another example. Yes, Father, you're tiring us. Okay, I'll Friends that you can vent out, that you can talk to. I've said this, I always say this in the, in the marriage instructions. I say to the, to the ladies, to both really, make sure that you have a friend, a confidant, that is going to be supportive of your marriage, not of you, of your marriage. I always tell them, if you find a confident and a friend, make sure that it's someone that when you talk to them, they put out the fire. They don't go and say, Well, your husband is like this. I always knew it, you know, he's like. And from the moment I saw him in the marriage, in, in the wedding day, I knew he was gonna be like that. I always tell them: if someone talks to you like that and you hang up the phone and you're burning, that's not the person to talk to. You talk to someone that puts out the fire. But For someone to be like that, they have to be a good Catholic with a good successful marriage. Not necessarily successful, maybe they have another circumstance that didn't work out, but they have to be a good Catholic. And that's where, again, the confraternity of Christian mothers is very valuable, that here you can find a friend, maybe not everyone, maybe you don't get along with so-and-so or you don't find find it particularly uh, helpful to talk to this or that person, but you will find someone, and that person is going to be a good help, and that's a huge treasure that you find thanks to this. Uh, a few more notes on, on, this, on this point. Um, material help. This is something that you know, might not be too interesting to us, but some people are very interested in it, and it can be very useful. You know, if, if there is a case, for example, of someone that has a funeral and they can't afford it, And the confraternity of Christian mothers can get together and say, well, this person doesn't have money, let's try to help her out. Or something that they do in some, or they try to do in some places is, look at how many people we have here. What is it? 50? Around 50 people, let's say. The cameras are only pointing to me, so we'll say the whole church is packed. (laughs) We can't say that, but laugh very loud so that they can think that they are. (laughs) Just kidding. (coughs) Say, for example, if we all get together and we say, why don't we buy meat wholesale? Why don't we buy this or that wholesale? Why don't we get insurance as a a fleet or something like that? I'm throwing ideas out there, but you see how we are a group and we can help each other out, and that could be a great saving opportunity for all of us. Do I want to get into that? Not necessarily, let's look into Providence and see what happens. But you see what I mean? There's a lot that the confraternity can do. The other point where the other potential of the confraternity is the obvious one, the one why I promote it, is a spiritual support. That you have, okay, again, let's count 50 people, all of them praying for your children. And this is, as I've told you before, and I'm saying this because there are some ladies that haven't joined, intruders, but uh, we'll join them today. This is what convinced me of the confraternity because, ladies, mothers, we need to pray for our children. I can tell you, because I was in charge of some of them, not of yours, maybe, it's very hard to save their souls. Very, very hard. Because you are one rope pulling your child to heaven, and they have one million ropes pulling them to hell. Friends, cousins, uncles, uh, TV, cell phone, school, movies, music, everywhere they look around, there is someone pulling on the other direction. And you know, especially if you have had grown up teenage, teenager uh, children, you know, that they let grace go away. Have you ever seen, and I don't mean to scare you, but, uh, but I do. Uh, Have you seen those bags where they keep wine, you know, the bags where you pour wine? And your child is like a a bag of wine that has a hole, and you can keep praying for that child and praying the rosary and and hearing masses and praying your prayers, and you're pouring wine on that bag and it's constantly pouring out because your child is not going to confession or is not going to the sacraments. And that, that grace that you're pouring in there Empties very quickly. Does that mean I shouldn't pray for them? No, obviously. What it means is that we need an abundance of prayer, an abundance of graces. Let me make a parenthesis here, and I've told you this before. I I repeat myself all the time, but that's what you get. Um, Sometimes as a mother, when your child is grown up, you see that, that the grace stops. And you're like, I'm praying for him, and I'm saying the rosary, and I'm going to mass, and I don't see anything, anything, nothing's happening. In fact, it's maybe even worse. The grace stopped. And I see the bag is just drying up, drying up, drying up. What happened? And what happens in those cases is that God said, there is a hole in the bag, so I'm going to keep all this wine, I'm going to keep it up, and at the right moment, When I know that he is ready to be saved or she's ready to be saved, then I'm going to soak him on the wine. You know, I'm not going to be pouring little grace, little by little. I'm going to save all the stuff that you've been praying for. And when your child is ready to be saved, then boom, I'm going to pour so much wine on him that he cannot refuse. That's why sometimes you don't see grace working in your children, but you keep praying and you know that it will come. My point, my dear mothers, is this. That we have now 50 people praying for you and for your children and that's abundance of grace you're pouring a lot more wine that is why this confraternity is so important and that is why (coughs) excuse me that is why it's also so important to say our prayers of the confraternity to to say them and say them well because think to yourself maybe i won't say them today i'm too tired or whatever well, what if all the mothers do that? Then I don't get the prayers either. So no, make it a point to say those prayers and to offer your things, your rosary, your sacrifices. For those, for those of you who are not familiar with the confraternity, there is one very b- good point that I've mentioned before, and you all are tired, but I'll say it again, is you get indulgences for all the activities that you do as a mother. Any activity that is related to your office as motherhood, it gives you an indulgence. I think it's 100 days, which is great. Like, we wish we had that for fathers. We don't have that for fathers. You have it as a mom. If you're, you know, if you're uh, feeding your child, indulgence. If you're looking at their homework, indulgence. If you're telling them to do their bed, indulgence. If you're spanking them, indulgence. Don't, don't go crazy with that one because you're going to be like, oh, we want, I want to get some more. But it's true. Now, let me make this, this point is very important for you as mother. When you say your morning prayers, make an intention to gain all the indulgences that are attached to your activities, because you have to have the intention. So as a mother that belongs to the confraternity, you have that benefit. Make sure that every morning prayers, even if they're very short, you make that intention of saying, I wish to gain all the indulgences that I can gain today. And then you're going to be able to gain all those indulgences. Okay. I'll try to make this short. I should have seen, well, I know what time we started. There is two, two points. I'll try to make them as fast as possible. And I'll need to see them again. The, I'll summarize it into one. This is, to me, one of the most interesting things about the confraternity, and this is another reason why I wanted to start it in the parish where I was before, is that I believe this is the way to make the church grow and to save more souls. It's going to be this kind of activities where we let grace come forth and you can show that grace to other people that are not traditional Catholic or that are not even Catholic. This is a way to convert them. And I was giving this, this uh, point to some people in the parish. I was telling them, we were talking about putting a billboard, you know, talking about the church or something like that. Just imagine this billboard. Traditional, Catholic, sede Vacantist Chapel. The people that are going to see that billboard and come to your church is going to be the traditional Catholic Sedevacantist people, which are already there. Right? Let's say that you just put traditional Catholic chapel. Well, same thing. Even if you put Catholic chapel, well, you're going to get the Catholics, and that would be good. But still, there's a lot of people that won't even touch you. Here's where I'm go- what I'm going getting at. If I tell someone, do you want to be Catholic, of people are going to say no. If I tell a lady, do you want to be a good mother? A hundred percent are going to say yes. And so, my dear mothers, this group and the activities that we do and and the talks that we make and the, the resources that you might have and that you might be able to share with one another, this is how you get those people, those friends of yours who are very good, who are Christian, perhaps, who are, Christian, quote unquote, who are ready for the faith, but you don't know where to get to them. You don't know where to open that door. This is how you open that door. Do you want to be a good mother? Yes, well, we have this. We have this group. We talk about these things. And there's this book that I have. And what happens there is they see the fruits of your faith and then they are ready to move for more. Does that make sense? So to me, this is this is a good door that can be opened. Now, <coughs> I would ask you for questions or, or comments, but I think it would be difficult for you to yell it out in the church. So let's, let's not do that, but you can ask me later maybe. I think there is few enough of us that we can talk later outside a little bit more. The other point of the talk today that I wanted to speak about is um, how should we act with one another? That is a very important part. You see a lot of groups, religious group, uh, religious confraternities, um, projects, that, as I said, have the, the race of the penguin. They go really up and then they just, just falter. Pay attention to this, and this is true, and I have, uh, it's, it's just true. Every time that those groups fail or break or collapse for some reason, what was the main cause? Pride, it's always pride, hidden out there, however you want to say it, it's always pride and self-will and those kind of things. I, this is actually, this was the end of the talk, but I'm going, I'm going there already. If we want our group to succeed, and if we want to be able to cooperate with one another, it is very important, my dear mothers, that we practice humility with one another And this, you'll hear me hammering on it over and over and over again, because this is what's necessary for our sanctification, not just yours, but ours. This group of the Confraternity of Christian Mothers is made so that you can fulfill your vocation. And in that manner, you sanctify yourself as the prayer that we just read. Right. Sanctify my children and sanctify myself. There's no way around it. No way around it. We have to humble ourselves. And and this is how that works. We always pray to our Lord. I'm not even reading the papers. It's just like a fidget spinner. We always pray to our Lord in this way. We say, my Lord, give me patience, but don't make me suffer. My Lord, give me obedience, and don't let them give me more orders. My Lord, make me humble, but don't humble me. We always try to go around virtue, because it's painful, it's difficult, I understand that. I have to tell you a story, I don't think I've told you this story before, it's going to be recorded again. Uh, I'm never going to be a saint, when we, when we start the process of canonization, people are going to be like, look at those videos, there's, there's no way. <coughs> so one time Bishop sent me, with another, he was a seminarian, we were seminarians at the time, and they sent us with the largest U-Haul you can get. It's like from here to the wall, probably 21 feet. And they, they sent us to pick up some pews from Michigan. I think it was like 10 hour drive. So we go over and someone made a comment at the beginning. I can't remember what it was, but someone made some comment on the, on the sense of you've been praying for humility, so you're going to get humiliated to me, right? And I went the whole 10 hours driving, thinking to myself while praying, Lord, please don't let it be that that I crash this thing. I mean, any other way, humble me any other way, but this is not for me, for the Bishop, you know, poor Bishop, he's gonna have to deal with a crash. I don't want to have that. We went there, came back, some scary moments. There was a moment where I was driving the U-Haul with two semis on each side, and the father that was next to me, he, he was next to me, he, he just went <laughs> perfectly quiet for that whole moment. And then you could just see him and go. <sighs> <laughs> <coughs> we went, delivered the U-Haul, something humiliated hap- humiliating happened. So I was like, OK, that was it. That was my humiliating pie and my humble pie. We're done. The, the, hu- the U-Hauls are fine. Park the U-Hauls, next morning Father comes and says, well, the other seminarian comes and tells me, grab the U-Haul and park it in front of the building so we can go deliver it. Sure thing. I grab the U-Haul, turn it on, start driving, and then I just hear, (laughs) like that. You could hear this sound a mile away. Everyone, everyone in the facilities came out to see what happened. Seminarians, priests, sisters, everyone came out to see it. And I'm just in the U-Haul like this. (laughs) And I didn't know what it was because there was nothing around me. Then I get out and there was the basketball hoop. And the very tip of the basketball hoop scratched the whole U-Haul from one side to the other. I prayed for humility, and I got it. Thankfully, we didn't have to pay. But my dear mothers, my point is this. It's good that these things happen to us. And if you want to be able to cooperate with one another, if you want to work as a group, there is no way around it. We have to humble ourselves with one another. How does that look? Well, Father says we're going to do the flowers for Corpus Christi, as we're going to do it tonight. Not you, but you know, whoever wants to do it and well let's say so and so is going to be in charge and immediately oh i don't like so and so she's kind of bossy you know she, she's i don't like how she puts the flowers it's always you know bright colors because i don't know um, i don't I, I like more white flowers things like that and we immediately say oh no i'm i'm, I'm good or i'm in the group that that you know prepares for funerals And we work in there, but then one day something happened, you know. uh, Let's say Lupita. Lupita was here, and and Lupita was angry. She was upset. She had a really rough day. And she turned back to me, and she said, like, do you have the food ready? Come on, we have to do it. Never again. I'm never again coming to this group. How dare she snap the fingers at me. Those kind of things are unavoidable. They're always going to happen. There's gonna be people that have different characters, different temperaments, people that are difficult too, but we have to get along, and we have to just forget about it and work together if we want to make more things as a group. And that's that's the first condition, humility. There's another thing that I would mention to you, and it's when you're working as a group in the confraternity, to never judge, never judge other people. That is so important, and, and you've experienced this if you have been in several parishes here and there. This parish is perfect, it doesn't happen here, but just kidding. Um, well, now how do I get out of this? <laughs> <laughs> but if you've, if you've gone through different traditional Catholic parishes, you every now and then meet someone that it seems to you judgmental, right? Or, or they say, oh, you know, oh, I don't know about that skirt or things like that. And, and, and they get to you, sometimes they might be right. Okay, they might be right. I'm not saying that we shouldn't correct one another. What I'm saying is you, for yourself, always think well of your fellow confraternity members. Always think the best. If Lupita was here and she snapped my finger, the fingers, instead of thinking, oh, Lupita, oh, you know, why'd you do that for me? No, think, well, maybe she's going through a hard time. I'll just put up with it, right? If I see that Lupita is here in the church and she's in the front pew, and her baby is Wah! crying like that right during the consecration, uh, and I'm thinking, hey, Lupita, why don't you get the children out of here? With the Mexican accent and all. Uh, <laughs> maybe she couldn't, maybe she had another boy there, uh, maybe they, she had no one to help her out, maybe she has a, a cramp in her leg and she's not able to move, I don't know. Always think the best of the others and always act in that way that you don't judge. Not only with your mouth, even with your mind. I'll tell you what's going to happen. If we do that in the group, in the confraternity, every single lady that you meet is going to be a good friend to you. Because, you know, I think well of them and they think well of me. My dear mothers, there's nothing closer to heaven on this earth than that. If we're able to live in a a group, in a parish, where no one judges one another, if you have something to say, say it to the priest, and then I'm done. I don't judge that person. There's nothing closer to heaven. That is the closest thing that you have. Obviously, excluding the sacraments and the Mass. So that's another good point that we can do. I'm I'm trying to summarize them all. I don't want to be too long, Uh, but I'll mention a, a couple more to be proactive, to, to step up and do things. It goes back to the, what I was mentioning at the beginning of not being isolationist, right, of, of saying, okay, I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna meddle in this because you know, I just care about the Mass and the Sacraments, I'm just gonna go out. I'll be honest, there are places, there are groups where sometimes that is necessary, okay? I have seen that, it, it does happen. And, and, and unfortunately, it can happen where there is a very big discord, there's a very big uh, controversy going on. I just want to stay out of it. Uh, Sometimes it happens. If that's not the case though, don't let that, um, I don't know if you can say jade you, make you jaded, don't let that make you jaded. Okay, there was some bad experience over here, that's not the world, over here I don't have that problem, let's get involved, let's help, let's step up. That if Father says, and and I'm not saying this, I want to be very clear, I'm not saying this because I'm like, I'm going to tell them that so that they do it from now on and they volunteer more because they never volunteer. This is not about my personal interests. I'm just telling you what should be done, right? To step up and volunteer where there is some need, you know, sisters need help with this or Father needs help with that or the flowers or cleaning up the church or things like that. Don't wait until people tell you. Don't wait until Father comes and says, I need help. You get up and you volunteer and you organize ladies and you snap their fingers at them so that they practice humility. (coughs) But this is very important and I want to tell you something. This is where this is very important for you. This is how you get attached to religion, to your faith when it costs you. I, I said this in a sermon recently. I was wondering, I'm gonna burn my reputation here again, but I was wondering how, why God, you know, why I didn't, why I was able to to be in a good spot right now. Why God gave me the grace to convert, because I am a convert. And all my teenager years, I know that most of my teenager years, I was very much in the world. My direction was totally the other way. I should be right now in hell or at least somewhere stuck in the world where my salvation would be very difficult. And I wonder, why me? Because there were other friends around me. There were other people that weren't in the same spot. What was the factor that allowed for God to give me that grace? There were many, I'm sure. But one of them was that I was here in the parish. I was a sinner, and I was in the world, and whatever you want, but I was here serving mass and I was here when the priest asks me to be here and I would be here, I don't, not here in this parish, but Holy Week, I would be polishing the brass and all that stuff. I would back, go back home and listen to worldly music, but then I would be here polishing the brass and working with the incense and helping the priests. And that, you know what that made for me, that made me value my faith because it cost me. Because I had invested so many hours of my life in it and I had invested so many years of my life in it that when someone came and said, forget your faith, leave in the world, I would say, no, are you kidding me? I've been working on this so hard. I believe it. And that, my dear mothers, for you and for your children, that can be a factor to keep them in the faith. If they have been invested in the faith, if they have been working here or in, in any church and they have put their blood and tears and sweat into the church when the temptation comes to abandon the faith they will say of course not this is mine this is mine this is my inheritance my legacy so that's that's another point why we should try to to be more forward I, I'll okay I'll, I'll end with this last point and then we'll go into a, a few A few tips. (coughs) As the confraternity of Christian mothers, it is also important to be proactive in the sense of practicing virtue. It's not just about meeting here and hearing father's talk or if father is not here just getting along and drinking coffee and all that stuff. You remember that in the spiritual life, we always have to move forward. If you don't move forward, you're, you're going back. Have you ever been in those malls where you have the, the stairs, what do you call those? Escalators. Escalators. And they move down, and when you were a teenager, or perhaps only I did it, you would run up the stairs, you know, and, and bump into people. Uh, well, that's the spiritual life. You have to be running up. If you, if you stand up, if you stand still, you will start going down immediately. For us, for the Christian mothers, Something that I would like to see more in all the confraternities is more acts of charity. For example, I say, why don't we go and visit the elderly? Why don't we go and find, you know, our group of children that we can go and help? Why don't we do catechism lessons in, in our community or whatever? Things like that. These things don't belong to Protestants. They belong to us, but the Protestants do it more than we do. And they don't have the faith. You know, the people that don't have the faith, the people that don't have the full picture, you see them out there doing a bunch of stuff. Don't get me wrong. Activity is not the main thing. The main thing is here with us. That is the main thing. Grace and prayer and our Lord Jesus Christ. But after you have filled your soul with grace and prayer, we do have to go out and do more stuff. If you're busy with your children, which you are, most of you, I'm sure, then that's your main duty, right? But what I'm saying is, you know, instead of... And, and when I say... <coughs> when I say things like this is because everybody falls into this at some point. Instead of sitting in your house and watching TV or, you know, uh, watching Netflix or checking out Facebook or Twitter or whatever, uh, What could you be doing at that time? Think of this as a mom. What if you go and visit someone that is in an elderly house, someone that is not even Catholic, but this is an old person that has never been visited in a year, and you are the one person that visits. What do you think is gonna happen when you tell this old man, do you want to receive the visit of a priest? Yes, I would. You, a mom, you saved the soul. You thought only priests could do that. No, you can, but we have to do it. I'll tell you a story uh, to end with this part. There was a person that I used to visit in an elderly home, and on the way to visit that person one time, I walked by a room, and in the room there was an old gentleman who had his pants a little bit down, and uh, no one was helping him. Obviously, in those kind of places, a lot of people don't don't care. So I, I had the blessed sacrament with me, but uh, I'm not gonna leave him alone. So I went over there. I just got into the room, risking getting sued probably by the place. I just got into the room and I told him, "Hey, do you need help?" Yeah. And I just you know pulled up his pants and helped him out. He was Catholic. Well, I was like, "Do you want to receive the visit of a priest?" Ah, yeah, Father. Yeah, sure. We were talking and I was, do you remember the Latin Mass? Oh yeah, Dominus vobiscum, et cum spiritu tuo. He was, he remembered the Latin Mass. He was probably 80, 90 years old. I saw him twice. On the second time I was able to give him the sacraments. I think I gave him the sacraments another time. And then he was in my mind and I thought I need to go visit him. I went to visit him. He passed away, passed away the day before. If I hadn't gone, if if his pants hadn't fallen or fallen, fell, if his pants hadn't fell and I hadn't helped him put up his pants, that saved his soul. And my point, dear mothers, is this, how many doors are open for you as a confraternity or individually that you could open, that you could do, that you could go on and, and say to God here in the church, say, I have all these things to offer you not of my own, it's not my merit, but these are things that you are pleased with, here I offer them to you, for my children too. I think I don't want to go too long, so I'll I'll, I'll leave it at that. Oh, I shouldn't have looked. Okay, one last thing, one last thing and we're almost done. (coughs) How to lead. It's necessary, I was talking to someone about this recently, It's necessary that there is a head. In any group, in any project, there has to be a head. Always. I want to give you this tip, and for all the ladies that are, the camera failed. I told you. (laughs) Uh, For the ladies that might be looking at the video, if you want your confraternity to be able to undertake projects, don't tell the priests that I told you, get the priest involved. Now he might not be able to give talks because I'm telling you, it's difficult to give talks. So don't, don't demand of your priest that he comes and gives you talks. If he wants to, if he can, it's fine. If he doesn't do it, maybe he's not able to, that's fine. But you can still get him involved in, for example, presiding the prayers, in presiding the, 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 the choices, the, I want to say the word I forget, in presiding the questions and the choices that you need to make as a group. Say, Father, we want to organize this thing. Can you tell us if it's right? Father says, yes, it's right. This is a good idea. Okay, Father, can you give the, could you please give the announcement? Could you tell the people? If the Father, if the priest gives the announcement, if he at least leads in that way of saying, okay, we're doing this, that's enough for people and people will follow. If you, Lupita, show up and say, we're going to do this. Well, a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's Lopita, She's going to slap, snap her fingers. But if the priest does it, then people will follow because the priest is the leader in the parish. And so if, if in your parishes, wherever you are, if you want to get the confraternity rolling more and doing more things, the priest doesn't have to be there and do everything. But if you at least get him to make those decisions, that's the word I was looking for, decisions and he makes those decisions and he says, okay, we're going to announce this in the parish, that's going to be what you need to to push it forward. And lastly, if you have to lead, if at some point you're in charge of a project or you are in charge of doing the flowers for Corpus Christi or you are the president of the confraternity, the way to lead is to serve. That is how you lead, by serving. We've said this before. If you have to be in charge of a project, that means I'm gonna be the one that works the hardest. I'm gonna be the one that's gonna sacrifice the most. I'm gonna be the one giving example to others. That's how I lead. And if you do that, all the other ladies in your group will follow. Everyone will follow. Now ladies, to finish today, we have uh, Father's Day is coming. So I'm just just going to give you very short tips for for Father's Day. (coughs) This is taken straight from the marriage instructions. On Father's Day, we want to honor the, the dad and, and, and we want to show him that we love him, right? And I want to tell you something that I'm sure you know, but if you don't, this is a good tip. What men takes as a show of love is respect and, and physical shows of love. The physical show of love is very important because, for example, if you give him a kiss, if you give him a hug, if you do any kind of, of, of way that shows him physically that you love him, he understands. Men are not like women. They don't need to hear, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. That, for him, that doesn't really ring the bell. But you know, a, a little tap in the back or a little hug or something, that's very meaningful. But most importantly is respect. Men feed from respect. Just like the flowers, the plants, you know, when the sun hits them, the plants get up and they give fruit. Men are like that. Men, when they receive the respect, they get up and they they act according to their responsibility and their place. So on this Father's Day, if you're in that position, make sure that you show that respect and that, that appreciation in that way. A respect that is sincere from your heart, from your mind, that you really believe that this is someone that you admire. And take into consideration that a lot of the things that they suffer, you don't know them. You know, the, the man is not going to tell you what he goes through. So he, there might be a lot of reasons to admire him that you are not aware of, and you might never be until the moment you die. But always take that into consideration. The other thing that I would mention is make sure that in our relationship with our husband, we always treat him with dignity, with a sacred dignity. I've said this before. I'll say it again just for Father's Day. Remember that the husband is the priest in the house. Don't ever say anything to your husband that you would not tell a priest. And in the same way that you wouldn't go to the priest and say like, again, I can't believe you did that. Oh, boy. It's like I'm, it's like I'm with a monkey. <laughs> You would never do that to a priest because you respect his place. Even if he's whatever is his personally, you respect his place. We have to have the same attitude to our husband. Regardless of his personal qualities, his place is a sacred authority. And that's why I should always address him with dignity and respect. And say, oh, I don't think that should have been done that way. Uh, Can I help? Or something like that. That is very, very important, ladies. And if you do that, he will respect you back. If not immediately, at least it'll take a time, but I'll assure you there will be respect, there will be fruit. And what's more important, your children will learn how to behave with respect. Today then, as we finish, let us keep these things in mind. I have this, this in writing, what I talked about today. I can give it in writing if anybody wants it. It's. Speaking about the possibilities of the confraternity and how we are to act with one another. To resume, let's try to see all the possibilities that we have, try to work towards them, and try to be humble with one another, step up, to, to help, to help, to serve, and especially, be zealous in investing your life and your time and the time and life of your children into the church so that they can keep the faith. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Catholic Wire. If you have found the show helpful, please say a prayer for all our collaborators. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels and share with your friends. For questions and comments, you may contact us at thecatholicwire.org.